welcome to the monthly Skill Bites show, where we share information that is geared to helping you succeed in your business. This is Judy Weintraub, CEO of Skill Bites and host of this show. If you want to position yourself as an expert, one of the best ways to do that is to become a published author. Skill Bites author platform provides the easiest way to get a book written and published. Today, I am delighted to have with us Bob Shears. Bob is the founder of RAS Associates, an award-winning marketing and PR firm. Bob is going to share his expertise on developing media relations. If you want free publicity for your business, then listen to Bob because he's got a wealth of information to share on how we can go about and do that. Bob, so glad to have you with us. Thank you, Judy. It's my honor to be here, and I look forward to sharing a little bit of uh, tips and tactics and imparting some wisdom uh, to your listeners about media relations. Great. Well, let's just yeah. start at the very beginning. What does the term media relations mean? What does it encompass? Yeah, good basic foundation question. Um, media relations uh, isn't something you do. I, I talk about public relations as well in this sense. Media relations isn't something you do. Really, it's more of something that you have. Uh, and that's you know, the, the key word there being relations. Um, it's really important to build relationships in everything you do, uh, whether it's writing your book and interviewing people or striking a business deal, reaching out uh, for free publicity. Uh, it always helps to have some form of a relationship. So media relations is building knowledge and relationships with the media that you want to target or reach out to, to share your word or spread your gospel about your business, service, your book. And, and building those media relations is a real challenge simply because as your listeners will learn very quickly, Media types tend to be extremely busy um, by nature of their work, and it's called news. Uh, and with a 24-hour news cycle, uh, things are constantly new, and they want to report news as it breaks, and they want to be the first to get exclusives. So it, it is a bit of a challenge to build relationships. Um, I don't think unless they're your neighbor or a relative or a close family friend, you're going to build a close personal relationship. I'm more referring to a business relationship. And the foundation to that relationship is trust. You have to be credible. Your story needs to be newsworthy. And it needs to be relevant to their listeners. And that's an important fact. Their listeners, meaning their target audience. If you're writing a book, on bass fishing, the business editor could care less about your story unless you're starting a story, a business, you know, in bass fishing, like a bass fishing tour company. Right, or so, a business editor happens to like bass fishing. Yeah, or if they like bass fishing, again, yeah. Um, but it really needs to be relevant to their target audience. Who do they reach through their news stories, their programming, um, their stories? So always keep that in mind. And then equally important is who do you want to reach? 
you don't want to spin your wheels or waste your time if you're a manufacturer of linens reaching out to a travel agent um, editor. So, so make sure you know who you want to reach ultimately through your stories or your news. And that's the type of person you identify from the media. Print, electronic, uh, which would be radio, you know, broadcast radio, TV, um, podcasting, much like this piece we're doing today. Um, and, you know, social media channels, which we'll talk about in a little bit. So it's all about building a working relationship. Honestly, I've become friends uh, with many a, a journalist or assignment editor. I was at an event yesterday in Philadelphia where the cameraman for NBC 10 News, I've known him for years, and, and he was there. We just caught up, you know, on, on old times and family and friends and people that have left the station, things like that. But I know I can call this person because he knows me, he trusts me. And if I have a story to pitch, um, I'll usually go right through the assignment desk, but I might even pick up the phone or text him or instant message uh, this person to get an idea of who best to reach out to at the station. So it's all about relationships, uh, much like public relations, uh, you know, that we do um, is a very particular, you know, business and media relations is a key part of that business. Right, I guess if you don't have the relationship, it's a lot harder to get your story told. It, it is, um, it's not impossible. Uh, because ultimately, at the end of the day, the most important part of that connection is the relevance of what you have to say or offer. Um, you know, look at horrible situation 9 11. Uh, every news organization in the world was scrambling for aviation experts. Uh, their, their story, their expertise became uber relevant uh, at the time. Um, the Pope will be coming to Philadelphia. Uh, the media have already been reaching out to clergy and uh, experts in religion on what that means. Uh, if you're writing a book about landscaping, uh, when the Philadelphia Flower Show uh, comes into season, uh, make yourself available, make yourself known to media that you're an expert especially if you're going to be there, but um, just in general, seasonality uh, for speaking of landscapers, we're hitting full stride into the spring season, where if you're writing a book about landscaping or gardening, or if your business uh, supplies those industries and you're writing a book about that, uh, think seasonality, which then becomes relevant to your message and then becomes of great interest to the media. Would somebody want to have good media relationships? What does it matter? Well, it, it makes things easier. Uh, as I said, you know, relevance is critical. Um, but having a relationship with the media, whether they're assignment editors, reporters, and, and an important distinction here, uh, a lot of people think, oh, if I reach out to this reporter, they'll write about me. Uh, there's a hierarchy in all news organizations, unless it's a very small like one-off you know, blog or something like that, where the reporter or journalist or blogger has the authority to just make a decision. There's a hierarchy in news organizations. Field reporters do not determine what will air or what stories will be covered. That's all up to the producers, the 
the news director, and the assignment managers. And I mentioned earlier, they're extremely busy people. Um, think if you watch the evening news on TV, in that 30-minute newscast, you might get 50 stories with an average of maybe 15 to 20 seconds coverage without in-depth coverage. Sometimes in a really big news package or the piece of coverage, you might get two minutes. That's huge today. Um, so think uh, that they're constantly inundated with stories and coverage, especially breaking news. Um, and when it comes to media relations, and I know Judy, you've heard me say this a million times, unless you actually own the station or your brother or sister or a close relative assures you you will get coverage, guarantees that to you, there are no guarantees short of that. Um, if you're working with a PR professional or a publicist and they guarantee you coverage, unless they own that station or their family does, run, because there are no guarantees. Breaking news happens constantly. A shooting, a, a refinery explosion, a presidential um, news conference, anything can bump your story. And usually they don't, get, they don't get back on air unless they're really, really important. If they tee you up for maybe a news segment like we did yesterday in Philadelphia, when I referred to the cameraman I was talking to, had there been a really big breaking story, they're not going to like play catch up the next day and air that story unless it was something really critical. Most good feeling stories are filler on, on hard news stations, um, unless they have really, really broad appeal. Um, it happened to be a, a, an event about National Volunteer Month, which has broad relevance. So, but if that had gotten bumped, the odds are maybe sometime this week, because it's a week-long national event, it might have gotten on. But um, that, again, too, depends on your relationship. If they don't know you, they don't feel any obligation whatsoever, well, then the chances are it may not get on. So, so it's important to have relationships like that. Um, it's also important to understand building relationships with the media professional working relationships of how they work. Print tends to be a slower pace. Stories come out once or twice a day, almost once a day now. There used to be morning, afternoon, and evening editions of the Philadelphia Inquirer and things like that. Uh, that just doesn't happen anymore. It's usually one edition, sometimes a morning and afternoon on a special you know, occasion. Uh, so uh, they tend not to be as fast-paced and hard-breaking TV, radio, they really move fast and it's really a challenge. It's, it's, it's considered very rude to be calling a newsroom, especially you know, around newscast time. They don't have time to talk to you. They're juggling stories. Uh, so we'll talk a little bit about, more about media outreach in a few minutes, but um, it's just really important to more blunt or more focused answer to your question. Relationships matter because they open doors. Okay, so how do you That's a good question. Uh, first, going into the relationship is you pitch a story. Uh, you call the newsroom if you don't know or if you don't have a service like a professional firm uses um, contact uh, software like Cision, My Media Info, where for a fee each month, you get updated media lists because like in many industries or professions and businesses, people change positions. It's a very fast-paced change in the world of news. 
Um, I've seen assignment editors jump to three and four different stations in the market in less than six months. Uh, so there's constant change there. Um, but if you don't have access or a service like that or work with a PR firm, uh, you can call the station, ask for the newsroom email address. There's usually, you can go to their website. You'll very rarely get a direct line to the news desk. That comes later in the relationship. Uh, so um, you can find out the news director's name in an email. The vast majority, almost exclusively, uh, prefer email contact because they can look and decide whether or not they want to talk to you, reach back to you, and or if your story is relevant or not. So email is the best first line. The next line is a follow-up email. And then possibly, especially on the print or radio side, a phone call doesn't hurt. Um, but to the TV stations, you can quickly become a pariah to them if you call and hassle or bother them. Um, it, it better be a real good reason, a breaking news story. But calling up and saying, you know, the, calling the news desk and saying, hey, did you get my press release? That's just like a huge no-no. You know, you just don't do it. Um, often you'll get hung up on. And if they remember who you are, they won't even take your call, let alone hang up on you again. Uh, so until you build a relationship and they trust that your call will be important, stay away from phone calls uh, at all costs. Um, I I've, I've, am working with a gentleman that um, <clears throat> Judy knows. And I have a strong enough relationship that I gave him the name of a befriending contact in one of the newsrooms at the TV station uh, and gave that person a heads up. We'll see where it goes. You just never know. It has to also then be relevant to the story. So um, that, that's why those relationships are important. And how do you build them um, out of the gate? Uh, it's with credibility, with good, solid stories, and well-packaged materials. Uh, and, and, and that would be, in most cases, a news release. Um, some people call them press release, but a news release or media advisory. And we'll talk a little bit about those in our discussion today as well. Okay. So you mentioned some of the challenges in dealing with the media, the fast pace, the um, interest in email. What are some of the other challenges? Uh, clutter. Clutter is always a challenge. Um, there's so much going on in the world of news. And that's why it's important to identify media outlets that are relevant to your story. There are a lot of radio programs, talk radio especially, um, where they focus on politics, they may focus on specialized programming like gardening, hobbies, travel. Um, so you wanna identify who you wanna talk to based on their audience which ultimately means who you want to reach. And so that helps you avoid the clutter. Now in your own sort of geographic realm of your story, there's probably always going to be competition unless you're totally unique service or your book has never been written. Uh, so it's kind of a busy cluttered world out there. So that's always a big challenge. So you'll have a foot up on your competitors and other authors if you identify what's so critically important and relevant in your book and then find the right media outlet, and that will almost assure you of, of a placement. Okay. So clutter is one big thing. Time, uh, another huge hurdle or challenge is time, especially on deadline-oriented material like TV coverage. 
Um, you can't draw a story at an assignment editor, you know, the night before the story, the event, or whatever you're doing, a, a book launch, a book signing the night before. You need to do that weeks ahead. Now, here's the key, though. Um, usually, print will block out and schedule a time and make a commitment two or three weeks out. TV rarely commits until the day before. And then, and only then, the commitment is you're on our what's called day book or night book, depending on the hour of the day um, for coverage. That means that they've got you queued up for potential coverage. They're aware of what you're doing um, and they'll confirm the next morning if they're coming out. And even then, if they confirm if something breaking happens, you may lose that coverage. But generally, they don't commit until a day out that you're on the day book. And getting on that day book, you know, the way you do that is you send a news release and then you follow up with an email. Uh, in the case of TV, um, you follow up with an email and just ask if you're on their day book, you know, if it's getting close and you're, you're anxious about knowing whether or not you have coverage, it's okay. Um, if it's a pretty big story, a big, you know, a big or relevant issue, um, then, and then it's okay to even call the news desk, but not a particular person. I wouldn't call the news director or the assignment manager. There's, there's sort of a general clearing desk and you can ask, you know, introduce yourself and say, send a release out the other day. I have this um, make something up. I'm doing this seminar on XYZ. And I was wondering if I'm on your day book. Oh, yeah, no, I'm sorry we couldn't get you on. Or yes, we have you on and we'll give you a call, you know, if we're heading your way. And that's typically how it works. Okay. So um, timing is always a challenge as well. What about other uh, tips and tactics for working with the media? I think probably the best tip I could share with anybody is really be aware of their sort of challenges, which are time, breaking news, being pulled in a hundred different ways, and understanding that your news is not the only news in the world. Um, you know, and um, if you understand that and you're polite about your approach. Uh, I, I've often joked that one day I want to crack open the head of an assignment editor and see what's in there because I, I just can't figure it out. Uh, I did an event in Center City, Philadelphia that um, was to honor World War II veterans, and it was a $100,000 donation from a client uh, to the World War II Memorial Fund. I went through in coordination with the National Guard. Um, bringing an Abrams tank downtown to Center City, Philadelphia. That was news in and of itself. And it was all on Memorial Day weekend. And this big announcement, which had great relevance, I mean, it had all the trappings of a great news story. And that evening, we got, we got no coverage, none whatsoever. It's rare that I've gotten skunk, but it's happened a couple of times. But I knew this story was going to just be wall-to-wall -wall coverage, and we got nothing. I was devastated professionally. I was crushed and confused. 
you know, I'm in the business 30 years now. So that was around 20 years ago, uh, 10 years ago, around 20 years in my career. And I was crushed that evening when I got home from the event, everything was cleared up and everything. On the news, the stations took what's called a package, a shared package, and they had this little cat with red, white, and blue bunting around its neck on a leash, and it was dancing around. And the three major stations, NBC, ABC, and CBS affiliates, all carried that packet. And they interviewed the pet owner. And um, it was sort of like, I, I always forget the term, but on Letterman does the stupid pet tricks. It was sort of this cat doing stupid little tricks. And it had nothing to do with veterans and nothing to do with Memorial Day other than it had red, white, and blue bunting on. And this got wall-to-wall -wall coverage. So, you know, even after all these years, I just never will understand truly what news is because I'm not the gatekeeper. I, I think I know what a great news story is. And in that case, I would go to my grave knowing it was. It had all the elements of everything the public would like and enjoy and want to hear. And they had this stupid Petrick thing going on with a cat. It makes no sense to me. Simon, editor's neighbor, who knows? Yeah, who knows? And again, it goes back to, um, you know, you may think, I may think your story is the best thing since sliced bread, but it all depends on the gatekeeper, the assignment editor, the, the, the production editor, you know, the news editor. And so uh, try not to get frustrated, um, which that day I almost threw my shoe at the TV, admittedly. It was just so insane. But, uh, you know, it happens. It, it, it does happen. And then sometimes we'll pitch for a client a story that we're dubious about, not the, not the honesty or integrity of the story, just that it might not be real newsworthy. And it gets wall-to-wall -wall coverage. You just never know. Um, there's a thing in the business called a slow news day. It's a PR person's best friend. And if you were doing your own PR or pitching your own, um, message. Um, a slow news day is what you pray for every day. So um, so those are some of the challenges, but you can overcome some of those with great content and great story and relationships. Uh, you know, it, it never hurts to pick up the phone and, and plant a seed about a story. And you can also reach out and pre-position yourself. This is a good tactic. Um, if your book is about X, reach out to editors with no expectations for coverage and just say, hey, I've written a book about X, Y, Z. If you, uh, I think this, you know, what I do might be applicable to your listeners or your viewers. Um, if there's ever any interest in having me on or if you need someone to discuss an opposing viewpoint or a supportive viewpoint, Here's my contact information. That's step one in building what we you know, referred to earlier as a relationship. Let yourself be known. Um, media rarely seeks you out unless you've done something wrong or something famous that's going to get them ratings, you know, like through viewership. So it's all about building relationships. And uh, does that, I hope, answer your question on that point? Yeah, you, and you had mentioned earlier something about a media kit providing yeah. um, information. How much information do you provide and what's the best format for that? Sure. Well, uh, a media kit tends to be for 
bigger news or bigger message, um, but it doesn't have to be. And you can build your own media kit. Um, if you're a solo author and you don't have a great support system, or if you have one staffer or an intern, you can take uh, the binders um, that you buy at you know the local um, office supply company uh, that have the two pockets. And what I would put in that is using a crack and peel logo that you can buy crack and peel uh, paper. I would print my logo, the name of my book in this case, if you're promoting a book, um, and maybe the book cover, and coming soon or whatever announcement you want, and put that crack and peel label on the outside of a nice glossy two pocket, you know, uh, 11, 17, or eight and a half, 11 fold it. You know, binder. And then on the left pocket, put information about the book, you know, and, and, you know, a teaser all about it. And then information on you on the other pocket as an author. And most of those pockets come with a die cut or a business card for your contact information and or a news release or a, a media you know, alert about the book launch or the information. And that becomes a very nice professionally packaged media kit. You can drop that off at the TV or radio station. Again, there's always gatekeepers, especially with security these days. Um, there used to be days 30 years ago where you could walk right into a newsroom. Um, now security and everything, you go to the front door, there's security desk. But you can leave it at the security desk and just you know put a post-it note on it saying it's for the newsroom. So a media kit, is very effective because it would contain all the relevant information in one package. Um, I wouldn't fill it up with 30 or 40 things. It'll end up in a wastebasket before they look at it. But if it's light, it's concise, quick, easy to read, that's a great way to develop a relationship as well. Uh, so that, that's one thing. And we, we'll talk a little bit more about the release in there um, whenever you want, but, um, and what that should look like in, in content. So um, why don't you touch on that? Sure, sure. I'm sorry, say again. Do you include a, a release with a media kit? Yeah, I often do. Um, not always, um, because there may not be a particular announcement or the desire for coverage. It might be just a book launch um, that the book is being uh, you know, made available on such and such a date. Um, but when you're reaching out to the media, you're usually looking for coverage. Um, but in some cases, as I mentioned earlier, it might just be to build a relationship. Hey, I'm an author of this book on you know, um, retail security. Uh, so if you're ever focusing around the holidays on what's called in the industry shrink or shoplifting and internal external theft, uh, I'm an expert in that area. I have shoppers and I provide in-store security and things like that. You could put that in a media kit about you and your company, just in informational form, not news release form, and send that in in advance of a peak season or a holiday where your business or your story or your book become more relevant. Then more direct to a newsroom would be for breaking news and expectation of coverage would be a news release or a media advisory or equally important in the mix of three, an invitation to cover. I'll explain all three of these. 
First, let's talk about um, a media advisory. Typically, a media advisory does not contain quotes from anybody. It's the five W's informational piece. Who, what, when, where, why. And um, you format it just like that. There'll be a, a headline. Um, author, you know, Deborah X will be conducting a book signing at you know, Borders or you know, Amazon, you know, wherever it's at, a library uh, on the topic. And then a subhead that helps focus why it's relevant. Um, you know, just uh, the, the title of the book, um, what, you know, why it's important, like shoplifting during the holiday season, things like that. So then you make it relative. And then who, the information on the author, what, the subject matter, why, holiday season, you know, auto theft. Uh, if you're an auto mechanic and you're writing a book about maintenance, automotive maintenance, as you're going into the winter season, there's dead batteries, check your tires, all of those things. So the release would have information on the authors presenting information on such and such in the book and why helps people, you know, save themselves from, you know, downtimes, being stranded, et cetera, and where and when the time. So who, what, when, where, why, and that would go to the media. Typically that type of media alert goes out about two weeks before the event with a follow-up going either a week or five days out as a reminder. You can then do a follow-up email or a call um, the day before if it's TV to see if you're on the day book um, or a call to the newsroom if it's an editor. Uh, and so that, that would be a media alert. You're just alerting them to something that's happening and why and where. A news release <clears throat> is similar to that. And Excuse me. A release could be about a book signing or an event, but it's more in-depth and more detailed in that it contains quotes. It might contain some facts about the nature of the or the topic of the book. Um, it would contain, as I said, quotes from the author, uh, maybe an outside expert as to why this book is important and should you know, people should attend this event, media should cover it. Uh, and then, you know, it, it kind of brings the whole story together in a narrative. Typically two pages, 10 to 12 point type, 12 point preferably, one and a half spaced. Um, so uh, I think that gives you, you know, maybe a thousand words, 1500 words, and, and try to keep it to two pages with a headline and subhead. And typically your logo or a, a screenshot or a JPEG of your book or whatever the topic is um, so that it looks very professional. I don't know if I could, you know, um, show, I think here, let me see in this presentation, bear with me, Judy, I might be able to show a uh, sample, uh, if I may screen share for a moment. Sure. Okay, uh, bear with me, I'll see if I can screen share. Okay, let's see here. Bear with me.
Okay, let's see, I had trouble there getting my screen share to go, bear with me. Let's see if I can get it this way. Gotta reopen it. Okay. Almost ready there, here we go. I should now be able to screen share this and then go share screen. Sorry, my program had quit. Apologies to your viewers and listeners. Let me know if you can see that now. I can. Okay, so this is sort of the anatomy of a press release and it's a lot easier to understand for your uh, listeners and viewers. Uh, your release should have your contact name on it. And I, I always think that it's important to use your cell phone number uh, because if the media reaches back to you, as we talked about earlier, they're very busy and you don't want to miss a call, they may not call back, not for this or ever again. So it's always good to use your cell phone number. And you know, if you see it's media, try to pick up, excuse yourself from what you're doing if you can, um, and, and talk to the media if they have questions. They may want to find out about coverage or can you come in and come to them. So it's always important to have your cell phone contact there. Your headline, this is an example of the Apple iPhone 6 launch. You have your headphone, uh, your headphone, your headline, a subhead, your dateline right here, and that's your home base. If your office is in Wilmington, put Wilmington and you know California your, or Wilmington, Delaware, your state the date that this is to be released, and then your information. And try to write in you know, pyramid style with the most important information at the top. And then the extraneous information near the bottom because there are three, 30, and three readers. Three second, 30 second, and three minute readers. And so you want to get past that three-second scan. So make sure your most important information is at the top in the lead. Hit them hard with it. The headline needs to be engaging. The subhead, a little more detail. And then the opening paragraph, really hit them with that. Um, your body copy in here, maximum two pages. I, I you know, this, this layout here, um, should really be one and a half spaces, especially for print, um, because they might make edits uh, to fit it in a, a news story. Uh, so I always go one and a half spaces, which is Associated Press or AP style. Uh, and then at the bottom, you should include information about yourself, which is known in the business or profession as a boilerplate. Um, it would be, you know, a bio on you, maybe a hundred words or less about who you are and what you do, uh, just as a reference point. And then always end your release with three pound signs or a dash, three zero dash, which indicates to the uh, editor or producer that that's the end of the copy, the end of story. So you have an end mark. Uh, your dateline, lead paragraph, all important over here, your boilerplate. And um, that's, that's the way to put together a real good, clean news release. So I hope that's helpful. Mm -hmm. So where did the three uh, pound signs come from? 
Um, I'm not sure. I, I was a journalist. I started my career as a journalist and then morphed into public relations. And I, I'm sure I was told something in, in journalism school about it. Um, I'm, I'm not, I have to look it up. I, I can't recall, you know, exactly why, but it denotes it's the end of the copy. I know the reason for it was it's the end of the copy because pre-digital age, when we were using typewriters for news releases, um, you would send a, a press release over by hand or by mail, and there'd be multiple pages. So typically, at the end of the bottom page, you would put in parentheses the word more. At the top of the next page of the release, you would put add 1-1-1, so that they could see there's an additional page, and then the story, the headline again. And then if there's a third page, it would say more, add 2-2-2 with the story in case the papers or sheets ever got separated. Um, so it, it, it kind of dates back to those days when there were multiple pages. And, and I'm sure there's a good reason they used the pound sign, but maybe it was just very easy to, dis, you know, to distinguish from regular characters. Okay. Yeah. So that's how to create a news release. So we talked about the um, advisory, the news release, and then there's an invitation to cover. This is a little bit different. This is more of a personalized note. Sometimes there are events that are not public events. They might be a private affair within a nonprofit or a corporation, or you may have a very exclusive book signing or book launch party where you're only inviting X number of guests. So what that does is it sort of hurts your storyline because News generally, reporting news is for the masses. So if you have a very limited audience of maybe 20 attendees at a private book signing, it, it may not be super newsworthy to the point where they would put out a calendar listing or a story that you're doing a book signing because why should everybody care if they're not invited anyway? However, if you send the reporter an invitation to cover, then they would come with the expectation of attending, seeing what's going on, and doing a story after the fact. Uh, that's real big with charitable events uh, where there might be a recognition um, evening, uh, an awards night that the general public might not really care about in terms of breaking news. Oh, there's going to be recognition night for the American Red Cross. Who cares other than the people involved? So the media is not likely to cover it initially. However, that Mary X or John Q public was given a great award for volunteerism at the event. They may run what we call a photo story or a photo caption post event, which gives your client or your book or your, you know, your topic some coverage. But it's it's after the fact, it's not breaking news. And and media outlets do a fair amount of that. TV rarely does that. Um, they'll, they'll do invitation to cover and broadcast that day or evening. Um, but print usually um, won't run, you know, they'll, they'll run things as fillers a few days later. But TV, if it doesn't make it on the air that night, think of the last time you ever saw a story. Last week, the Action News team was at so-and-so. It, it just doesn't happen because they're more about breaking news. But they will also use that as fillers on their website. And just to, uh, Judy, if I may, I don't want to belabor too many points here, but 
Um, media relations, you have to think too in terms of um, the outlets themselves and the industry and profession have changed dramatically. <clears throat> there was a day you couldn't really work at any newspaper or any within any news organization if you weren't a degreed journalist, that you had a journalism background. Um, all of that started to change back in the maybe 80s, 90s. I think I referenced this not too long ago with you, Judy. When ABC merged its news department with its entertainment department, and the distinction there was news became the stepchild to entertainment. And that was, I believe, the first step in the decline of true journalism, independent, autonomous news organizations. Nowadays, I think virtually every network um, news organization falls under their entertainment division. Their budgets come from entertainment. Uh, they're not as committed to hardcore, just the facts journalism and investigative journalism. You see it's become very split and fragmented with news organizations taking sides, very liberal, very um, conservative news reporting. Um, and so all of that sort of came from this cost ratio issue of producing news. It's expensive to put people out there and have them dig up news stories and dig up and, and find hard to get stories. And so they've made decisions that, you know, they'll take quick breaking news. How often we see news organizations have to issue corrections. Um, you see on the bottom on the news crawls across the bottom of the screen, typos and then retractions and you know corrections. It's all about getting out there first and getting ratings. And that's that's really unfortunate. Um, some of the major newspapers still adhere to, I think, journalistic values, but it's really sad. And then all, you know, amidst all of that turmoil comes social media which we'll talk about too. Um, now, all of a sudden, everybody thinks they're a journalist. Some are, some aren't. Um, and so the internet and Google and, and Chrome and uh, you know, Firefox and all these search engines, I mean, you know, everybody's a doctor because you can go on WebMD and everything else and self-diagnose. So you really have to take things with a grain of salt and really research. Uh, but there is a place for that. There is certainly a place for that. Um, and when done well, uh, it does well. Uh, so I, and we'll address a little bit about social media too whenever you want. Well, let's go into that. Uh, yeah. how, how does social media, how is it distinguished from the, the media that we have been talking about? Sure. Well, I, th I think the biggest distinction is there are no set requirements. There's no gatekeeper. Um, I can be a journalist in my basement, a journalist that was with the New York Times that got laid off can be a journalist in his or her basement. Um, and therein lies the rub, the word journalist or journalism. Are you journaling and collecting and gathering facts? Are you sharing opinion? Uh, it's really hard to say these days. Uh, it's it's open season out there. 
Uh, there are news organizations uh, that have laid off people. The Patch newspaper uh, really became uh, effective because you had so many small town, local, you know, countywide kind of newspapers going under because of cost constraints and journalists banding together, reporters, and the Patch, which is neighborhood or local newspapers popping up all over the country under the banner Patch News. Um, kind of stringing together and becoming a news organization. They, they tend to produce legitimate news stories and provide legitimate coverage. But you really have to look at, you know, um, what you're reading and, and determine, is this journalism? Is this news? Is it fact? Is it conjecture? Is it commentary? And uh, <clears throat> that becomes a real challenge. Um, and the thing with social media is, it's instantaneous. And when it's out there, it never dies. It's always going to be out there somewhere. And so um, it can be highly effective. It can be damaging. It can be um, supportive. It, it depends on you know, how it's used, whether you're using it, how you're using it, whether someone's using it for or against you. Those are all things that are you know, really, really, you know, really critical. Um, think when kids text about each other and there's bullying uh, through social media. Um, it, it rises to the occasion where children and, and even adults have committed suicide over it. So the format, the medium can be extremely powerful uh, and, and worldwide reach. I could put out a blog right here in my office and it'd be worldwide in seconds. So, you know, the technology has really changed. Uh, there are some great platforms. Many of your listeners or viewers uh, are familiar with things like Instagram, and Facebook, and Twitter. Uh, those platforms uh, open up a whole world of opportunity for journalists, kooks, stay-at-home moms and dads, children, seniors. Uh, so you really have to be careful about the content and um, you know, how it's utilized and how you utilize it. Hopefully it's being used responsibly, but we all know that's not the case. Uh, the other thing too is, um, and I think you and I discussed this most recently, um, I would encourage all of your listeners and viewers to at least once a month, Google first just their name and see what pops up and then their name and then some additional relevant information, um, Pennsylvania or author or other little things that will identify you and see what pops up. Um, you wanna make sure you have a good, clean social slate. You wanna see what's being said about you out there. Um, you know, it could be good, it could be bad. Um, you may almost be kind of relegated to obscurity too, and that's bad. I talk about, public relations not being something you do, but something you have. Um, you have good or bad PR, and good is good, bad, not necessarily always bad, as P.T. Barnum you know, said, but the indifference, no public relations. You're, you're toast. If no one knows who you are, no one's talking about you and you're trying to accomplish something. If you're relegated to obscurity, that's worse than bad news then nobody even hears about you at all. So you want to do sort of a, 
a social media check on your name, your business, your book. Uh, those things will help you gauge what the public perceives about you. Um, and you know, if you're not out there, there are things you can do to make sure you are. You can publish things, you can you know, have a web presence, you can send out releases that get picked up and covered, and then search engines will pick you up very quickly. So um, do yourself a favor and, and do a Google search of who you are and a, and a web search, and, and uh, you might be surprised at what you say. I would imagine that you would be a little bit more likely to have successful efforts with um, getting media coverage radio, TV, whatever, newspapers, if you have a social media presence. Yes, yeah. You'll almost certainly be picked up just through, you know, web search. Um, you know, these search engines pick up millions and billions of bits of information per second. And, and so a worldwide search on Judy Weintraub would take 15 seconds at most today. And anybody named Judy Weintraub, uh, let alone just you. So it's it's amazing um, how quickly it can be done. And social media just has that power. It has the ability to, you know, really put you out there. Mm -hmm. So um, a very effective way. If you're if you're an author of a book, create a Facebook page about your book. It's a great way to get noticed and, and recognition for it. Um, and additionally, drive your prospects, viewers, listeners, customers towards your book or your webpage, you know, your book webpage, uh, to gain notoriety. The more it clicks on it, the more hits, the more optimized it becomes. A lot of people hear that term search engine op optimization or SEO. And there are many things you can do to increase your visibility socially. It gets real technical, um, but generally, the more you're out there, the more you're out there, and it just snowballs. And, and therein lies the rub when children do, well, children, I shouldn't sing, single out. When people do bad things or post things inappropriate, they're out there and they're almost out there invariably forever. And there's no bringing it back, and people have access to it. So you really have to be selective on you know, what you do and what you say. And, um, you know, things get captured in social media. I can remember, you know, as a kid, you would do silly stuff maybe on the boardwalk. Well, if you do that today, the whole world's going to know about it. Because if you do something dumb or silly or stupid or inappropriate, someone's going to capture it on camera, as we all see every day. And, uh, you know, it's going to be out there. So, okay. Yeah, so let's, uh, let's wrap this up. If you're mentoring a newly published author, or maybe not a newly published, but an, an author who is um, got a shoestring budget, wants to get some publicity about their book, what would you recommend? Okay, shoestring budget and, you know, really um, wanting to try to get some local pickup and coverage. I would encourage them first to try it themselves using some of the techniques we talked about, put together a press release, consider who they want to reach, and then target that medium that best reaches them. If they have a little bit of a budget or a substantial budget and they want to do bigger things, I would encourage them to connect with, if it's a book, a book publicist or a PR person like me uh, or a firm like yours that offers services 
to support that effort um, because they, they may not have the time and, and time is truly our greatest resource, even above money, um, but they kind of go hand in hand. Uh, so I would encourage them if they, if they really want to make an impact to work with a professional, if they can afford to do so. Um, but initially try yourself using the, you know, the text techniques and some of the tactics we've talked about, you know, uh, on this call. I want to let our, our listeners know as well that we have a group marketing program, mm -hmm. marketing and PR, for people to get uh, some low-cost advice on developing a marketing and PR plan as well as implementing that plan. And you can find information about that on the skillbytes.net website or email me at um, Judy at skillbytes.net, I'd be happy to provide that information, as well as we have the, the individual services. So Bob, thank you so much for sharing your expertise with us today. Uh, if somebody did want to get in touch with you, can you provide your contact information? Sure. They can reach out to me toll-free at 1-888-214-9419. That's 888-214-9444 or email me at bob.shears, S-C-H-I-E-R-S at R-A-S-P-R.com. And I'd be glad to answer their questions. Great. Thanks so much. Thank you. Well, we have a, another show coming up next month. It will be on Thursday. May 21st from 1 to 2 Eastern Time. Our guest will be Terry Wilderman, and Terry is a professional speaker, an international best selling author, and a business coach. Terry is going to share her expertise on the inward journey to attract what we want for our business and achieve breakthrough success. So, again, May 21st from 1 to 2 Eastern. Thanks, everybody. Have a wonderful day. Thank you, Judy. Have a wonderful day.